T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Everybody, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Nate Geary, Zach Jones hanging out with you today. Our two getting underway here. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to go right to the West Her Hotline, where our sister station in Pittsburgh, 93.7 The Fan, an Odyssey station. And joining us is one of their hosts, Doran Dickerson. He's a former Buffalo Bill. He played here in 2012. Doran, thanks so much, man, for joining me on your Saturday afternoon. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It's a nice day out. and. Uh, I love Buffalo, and I'll do anything for Bills Mafia, for you, for anybody who is affiliated with Buffalo. So uh, one of the best times of my life, and I am excited to be uh, on your show right now. Well, Doran, listen, you know, it's funny. I, I, I know I was on with you last year, week one, um, <clears throat> when you guys were doing pregame, and I don't, I can't remember at the time if I told you, but 2012, when you were with the Bills, um, that would have been me, my my sophomore year of college. Um, so this would have been prime season ticket holder version of me. Um, you might have been like one of my like like low-key, underrated, like me pounding the table for you kind of guys. Like I just remember it was you, Scott Chandler, Lee Smith, like that room. And you had, I, I think I remember at the time me going like, yo, this is Delaney Walker vibes. We got like the H-back, the true number two athletic tight end. Um, you're only here for a year, but like, listen, trust me when I tell you, like you still live in Buffalo Bills, like drought lore. Like you, you... It's funny how there are players that Bills fans sort of gravitate to, like the underdog, and there was just something about you that year. Um, and and I, like I had to go back and look at the stats because I just felt like you had a bigger impact than you really did. You just you were a, a memorable player for me in that one year. Uh, but I just I couldn't remember if I told you that back when we chatted. Uh, but I was a big Doran Dickerson fan back in the day. You know what? I, I really appreciate that, and I actually like low key get that a lot from Buffalo Bills <laughs> people, like. It's not I a do. surprise. Man, like, I, 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 I'm like, wow. Like, I, I guess I did make some type of impact, not on the field, but uh, just as a like a, you know, enamored player. But you know, I got, I got brought there because my uh, college coach Dave Wanstead was yep. uh, the linebackers coach, and Doug Whaley, who was uh, ended up being the head GM, was assistant GM. He's a pit guy too. So uh, I remember Wanstead calling and being like, hey. Chan Gailey's looking for a move tight end, and I and Watson was like, I you know I'm obviously the perfect one is Doran. Uh, would you want to come up here for a trial? And I'm like, uh, yeah, like let's do that. And literally two days later, I was on the Buffalo Bills, and you know what? things were trending in the right direction. Uh, you know I'm gonna be honest right now. Uh, you know throughout the tenure and 
even throughout camp. And then I remember like halfway through camp, um, I was getting a lot of touches. I was a part of the offense. I was running with the ones, doing all this and that. And then something switched. And, uh, you know, it, I started, you know, not getting as many touches. And I was like, what's going on? Am I even going to make the team at this point? So uh, I, I guess, you know, Chan Gailey and, uh, you know, the offense staff felt that they wanted to go to more traditional route and, you know, have Scott Chandler and Lee Smith as a blocker. Uh, but I still loved, loved my uh, tenure at, in Buffalo. I loved the people. I loved, uh, you know, it's only three hours away from Pittsburgh. Um, I will always be a, a huge, huge Buffalo supporter. But that was one of the funnest times of my life. And, uh, you know, I remember it vividly. And I, I appreciate the, the awesome comments, Nate. No, my pleasure, man. Listen, like I said, it's you know it's actually not a surprise to me at all that if you've talked to former Bills fans, like the diehards, like you're exactly the type of player that people, especially during the drought era, would like gravitate towards. Especially like a lot of the UDFA's that came in here. Like there were names that like and, and another one that I think a lot of people like James Hardy. And I, I don't know if you would have crossed paths with Hardy um, there in Buffalo, but like guys like that that were kind of underdogs that really kind of like. They just felt like Buffalo guys. I, I'm not surprised at all that I'm not the first one to mention something about your time in Buffalo being memorable to them. It's it's just kind of funny how this how this franchise and its fans we gravitate towards like the guys that are easy to root for. I think you're just really an easy guy to root for, man. Yeah, no, and, and, and honestly, I know that uh, you know this is kind of crossing paths too, but it reminds me of Pittsburgh, and that's what I just like felt at home. Like like I said, it's only three hours away from Pittsburgh. You know, it's cold, it's gritty. Um, you know, they love their people. They're very loyal. So, you know, it's just, it's very identical, uh, Buffalo is, to Pittsburgh. And I just, you know, I, I would – I even tell – and I met my, my wife, uh, you know, who I've been with 10 years, 2012. I met her. No kidding. The day before – day before I got signed by Buffalo. And we talk about, like, how she would drive up to Buffalo to see me all the time. And uh, that's probably the number one reason why I probably love Buffalo. But we talk all the time, and we have three kids now. That in in a second, if I got a job in Buffalo, we would move back there like right now. Like we would pick up and move our whole family to Buffalo because that's how much we love the Bills. We, that's how much we love Buffalo, the city. It is just it, it's really unbelievable. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, we appreciate the love here, and uh, and obviously we know you appreciate it back. And that's just that's just kind of how this community rolls, man. And uh, you know, listen, I I want to get into some ball talk with you because I think um, the Steelers are entering such an interesting. Should we call it a new era? I feel like it has to be anytime a door closes on a Hall of Fame quarterback like uh, like Ben Roethlisberger, even though towards the end it did not really resemble the prime years of Ben Roethlisberger. It is a new day. The, the, the Steelers, they go out, they draft Kenny Pickett in the first round this year. They go out, they sign Mitchell Trubisky, and that's sort of where I think the cameras are going to end up being pointed at starting training camp, Doran. And I'm wondering so far during OTAs, like the story's been, you know, Mason Rudolph uh, and, and Kenny Pickett, have both, both been kind of taking second team reps with with Mitchell Trubisky taking those first team reps. Do you think that really almost regardless of how training camp goes, that the ideal scenario for Mike Tomlin, for the Steelers franchise, is to start the year with Mitchell Trubisky and ease Kenny Pickett in? Or, or do you believe that this is Kenny Pickett's job to lose in training camp? And that's why you pick a Kenny Pickett because he was kind of the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. Right, no, I, I think you absolutely have to go with Mitchell Trubisky, a guy who has made a Pro Bowl guy. You know, he's going into a sixth year uh, as an NFL quarterback. He's played a lot of football and played some good football, too. You know, he's a big guy. He can run. He can move. Things that Matt Canada, as the offensive coordinator of the Steelers, 
wants to do in his offense. So as long I, I believe as long as you can let Kenny Kenny wait and sit and kinda let it all brew and let it all sink in, the better. So if Mitchell Trubisky and I believe that he's gonna be the starter. I mean he's probably gonna be the starter for the whole year in my opinion, because you can just tell that he has played so much more football than uh Mason or Penny, obviously. But um I think the longer that you can let this Mitchell Trubisky situation go, uh, the better it is for Kenny. And Kenny can sit back and can watch. There's a lot more things that, that come with playing in the NFL, and especially the, an, an NFL quarterback that uh, people don't even think of. It's how to be a pro. It's how to carry yourself. There's so many intangibles that you have to grasp uh, to become a successful or even just a you know, competent player in the NFL that Kenny is probably just picking up. I mean, he's only been there for, what, three, four weeks now. So I think the the best situation for the Steelers is having Mitchell Trubisky go out there and be, uh, you know, a, a good a good quarterback that they can compete with. Now, another situation, too, you know, you mentioned, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger retiring. And uh, is this like a transition? Is this a new era? It is, and it's not just about Ben Roethlisberger. You know, they, they Kevin Colbert, who's been their GM for 20 years, has just retired. And they just hired Omar Khan, who's been there 20 years, but is now in the GM role. They hired Andy Weidel, who was from Pittsburgh originally, you know, worked with the Steelers for a little bit, then went to Philadelphia. Now he's coming back. He's going to be, you know, kind of the co-assistant GM, too, so – um, that's a whole new ball game there too. So we're looking into the future and we're looking into the present for the Steelers. How is this going to unshake? How is this going to unravel? And then you have to look into the division. The division is obviously what it is. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, uh, possibly Deshaun Watson, who, you know, whatever the, that situation is going to uh, unfold. But, you know, there's so many things and angles and views to look at for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's almost, it's really exciting to see how this is going to, you know, play out for not just the Steelers, but for everybody in that division. It's going to be exciting. So tell me a little bit about your predictions for Najee Harris in year two um, with this Steelers offense, considering the fact that, you know, I think he was kind of reduced to not necessarily like a dump off guy, but a guy that, that maybe didn't get the luxury of walking into an offense that teams were necessarily scared of that deep passing game. Now, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett week one, sounds like in your opinion, it'll be Trubisky. There will be a better threat of a deep passing game. Deontay Johnson, obviously Chase Claypool and going out and getting George Pickens. There's definitely the bodies at the wide receiver position. And now I think there's the arm and the wherewithal at the quarterback position to get that downfield passing game more integrated into their down-to-down offense. So knowing that, knowing that there is more of a threat to a downfield passing game, A, I guess the question is going to be is can the offensive line take a step this year to open up some more running lanes for Harris? And B, can he really become one of those like Christian McCaffrey, um, I'll I'll throw in Joe Mixon, um, you know, you throw in these top I'll even throw in Leonard Fournette, who, you know, was in terms of receptions per game last year, 4.6 or targets per game, right up there with Christian McCaffrey, Mixon, and some of these pass-catching backs. Is he going to kind of turn into the all-around back that I think a lot of people assumed he was just going to turn into last year? I just think there was a lot of limiting factors for him to really boom the way a lot of people predicted he might his rookie year. 
Yeah, there really was. And obviously with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, things that are holding him back. And obviously, you know, he's a great, was a great quarterback, but he just wasn't, uh, you know, up to par to of doing the things that they wanted to do. Now this is going to, this is going to sound really crazy, but not really crazy, but this is a total different like outlook on the Najee Harris situation. I personally believe that the, the way Najee Harris is fully successful and will be, you know, you know, one of the best backs and players and, you know, touchers of the ball in the league is if he has a very, you know, veteran savvy, confident backup running back next to him. Look at Zach Moss. Look at Singletary. Like everybody has a compliment in the backfield. Najee Harris doesn't. Najee Harris gets too many touches. He needs somebody to take the load off of him. Even whenever Le'Veon Bell was with the Steelers, he had D'Angelo Williams, you know, a veteran running back that could go in, get first downs, be smart, you know, uh, pick up blitzes, things of that nature. I think that the way that Najee Harris uh, becomes a very successful player from now and until the end of his career is as long as he has somebody that can take him out of the game mm. and not miss a beat. I, I, I really believe that. Look, I mean, you, you mentioned Leonard Fournette, you know, what, Ronald Jones. I mean, everybody has that other guy that can, like, not miss a beat but a little bit different, and you know that you can run every play with him, and, you know, it gives Leonard Fournette a break. It gives Singletary a break. It gives, mm-hmm. you know, all these other running backs a break. Uh, Najee Harris doesn't have that. He, he needs a guy that can come in here and be, uh, no, not Najee Harris, but decent and good that can actually go and go in there and, and do good things. So I know that's a way kind of like off-base take about Najee Harris, but I honestly truly believe that, that he doesn't need to have a thousand touches a year. Like he needs <laughs> to be able to have, you know, the, the, the efficient touches, the efficient touches and have somebody else take the load off him every once in a while so he can actually last for a season and be uh, confident. Yeah, I mean, I think he was the first rookie in NFL history to play every single snap of their week one matchup against the Bills last year. <laughs> and listen, I just, you know, from a, that's just not sustainable um, in any way. And and I think you're, I think that's a perspective and, and something that I hadn't really heard before when the conversation around Harris is how to become more effective in year two. There hasn't really been anyone saying, well, they need a true change of pace guy. And the Bills, they, you know, talking about Singletary and Moss, like, I think the real change of pace, because I think there's a lot of similarities between those two, but I would agree that when one or the other is in, there's not like this huge drop-off, but the Bills go out and draft James Cook in round two. I think that's truly the lightning to those two's thunder, and I totally agree that like, you know, to really get the best out of Najee Harris, it probably doesn't equal him playing 70 snaps a game. Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't. I mean, mean, it's a very tough position, and it's not tough like cerebrally, because I believe that now, personally, of being a former player, I believe that that's the easiest transition from college to pro is to play running back. Like, you can step in there. Nothing really changes. It's just the speed of the game. But it's the toll on your body and, you know, how many times you get hit. I remember talking to Shady, LaShawn McCoy, and, and I grew up with him, uh, obviously went to pit with him, and I saw him right – it might have been like right before he signed with the Bills. He was at a, a pit spring game, and I was like, how's your body feeling? He was like eight years in the league at the time. He's like, Jordan, you know I don't get hit. And I was like, you know what? You don't. I'm like, you're very smart and you're very elusive of how you don't get hit and how you preserve your body. If you ever watch LaShawn McCoy, he's the best person to watch of how to not take big hits uh, in his mm-hmm. career. And I think if Najee Harris, you know, develops that mentality, I mean, he's a big guy, 6'3", 
240 pounds, he's going to want to dish out punishment. Right. He's going to want right. to be able to take punishment. But that's not the game. Like, that's not the longevity game. You have to figure out how to be, uh, you know, elusive and not take those hits so you can last longer. And the way to do that as well is to have somebody else that it can compliment you and go in there and not miss a beat that, uh, you know, coaches trust and uh, that, that can bring another dynamic to, to the offense. So I, that's why I think that he kind of needs uh, outside, you know, externally, but internally he needs to realize that he doesn't need to dish out punishment as much. Former Buffalo Bill, he's also, uh, you can also hear him on our sister station, our Odyssey sister station in Pittsburgh, 93.7, the fan. Doran Dickerson joining us here on the Western Hotline. We're talking about the Steelers. And I wanted to to kind of get your thoughts, well, A, on this defensive side of the ball. It's sort of been the mainstay of the Steelers team for a long time. Their identity has always been that physicality, that 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 black curtain, right? And now, um, this year, again, we're talking about another sort of transition. You, Stephon Tuitt, who had been this team sort of rock in the middle of that defensive line decides to, I, I think not necessarily super shockingly, but it was a surprise to see him walk away from the game the way that he did. And, and now, you know, Devin Bush, there's a lot of questions around whether or not, you know, this could be his really last chance. They go out, they get uh Mac out of, uh, you know, from, from, uh, from Jacksonville. Talk to me about what the expectations are for this defense, because there are parts of it that are aging. And I think there are other parts of it that just have a lot of question marks, maybe more so than any time I can remember in Pittsburgh. Yeah, there is a lot of question marks, and you, know, you bring up to it, and obviously he retired. So uh, you know, Alu Alu is going to have to step up, and you know, got hurt last year. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good player. You know, longevity player has been in the league a long time. But you know, there, there's so many question marks on the defense. Obviously, losing Joe Hayden. What you know, the cornerback position. You got some young corners there. Obviously, Mickey Fitzpatrick is a very good safety. You re-signed Terrell Edmonds to a deal, but. Terrell Austin's now the defensive coordinator. So you're having a new defensive coordinator as well going along with, you know, some other moving parts on your defense. You know, Keith Butler obviously is, is gone. And now I'm not, I'm not anticipating the defense changing much, but I do believe that the more, you know, you can do as a defense, the more freedom you have. And it just reminds me of the Steelers from, you know, what, 15 years ago with, with, Paul Amalu and Ryan Clark, they had so much freedom, and you never knew, knew who was who. Like, Paul Amalu would line up on the defensive line, and you're like, do we treat him as a safety or do we treat him as a linebacker? Do we treat him as a D lineman? So the more that you're able to, to, to mentally grasp as a defense, and I think the Steelers have done this well, and I, you know, obviously referred back to the past, but the more you can do as a defense and learn as a defense, the more freedom that you will have, the more ability you will have to make plays and to do the window dressing, which where, you know, you, you show something and then you actually end up in something else. So um, there's, a, there's some holes, but you do have, you know, one of the best defensive players in the league and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward has been just a very, very solid player throughout his career and, 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 you know, will be effective, but, uh, Devin Bush, he's going to need to step up. And, you know, he has, you know, Miles Jack next to him. And I, I, I think Miles Jack being there is going to raise the level of play of, of Devin Bush. It's kind of has to. He's going to have the healthy competition. Um, I'm anticipating that. So a lot of holes, but uh, I think that they'll put it together. And the more that you can grasp as a defense mentally, the more freedom you'll have to make plays. 
All right, Dora, before I let you go, final question here, and I want to end it on the offensive side of the ball, and I want to ask about my man Chase Claypool because he was kind of the center of attention for probably the wrong reasons, obviously the in-game thing where he you know, doesn't know how much time's left and is kind of that. then the whole quote about music during practice. like He had kind of a tumultuous 2021 campaign, and I'm wondering what you think his 2022 outlook is looking like considering with the, with the new quarterback infusion, um, probably getting an opportunity to get the ball down the field more where he really can thrive I'm a big Notre Dame guy Doran so tell me is this going to be a turnaround year for Chase Claypool he's also on my fantasy team so I'm looking for a little insider info here you know <laughs> uh, no uh, you know I, I sure hope so and I you know I, I I've seen situations like this a lot you know guys that are you know big you know can run have so much talent um, you know, I, I suggested, I'm not going to name names, but a guy that was just like Chase Claypool, I was like, listen, every year I go to Minnesota and I go train with Larry Fitzgerald. I'm a tight end, but I go train with the best wide receiver in the league. And I was like, you need to come here and train. You know, he's willing to, you know, let you come here and train with him. I'm like, that's the way that you get over the top. You got to be around the best people. And if Chase Claypool wants to make that jump, I hope this offseason that he took it very serious and, you know, took his route running serious, took his catching serious, took everything that, like, hey, I actually have the ability to be a number one in the NFL, a number one wide receiver. I mean, that is a very tough uh, position to play and be that guy, knowing that you're going to get double teams, knowing that everybody's getting for you. And uh, being around guys like Andre Johnson, being around guys like Calvin Johnson, uh, seeing how they operated every day. I just really hope that Chase Claypool was starting to get that mentality a little bit. He's not probably not going to be a Calvin Johnson or Andre. They're Hall of Famers. But uh, I hope that he's really taking it serious. And I do think – I mean, he has all the intangibles to make that jump. He, is, he has everything. I mean, he you know has grittiness. He has the little things that you kind of need. It's just putting that all together. And, you know, can he put that on the field when things are needed, when plays are needed? And – uh this year is going to be a little bit different because, you know, the offense is going to change. You're going to be able to run back Canada's quote-unquote plays. And uh, I think Chase Claypool will be a big, big uh, asset to the Steelers' offense as long as he just is, is honed in every single second. I think he's going to be a star. I really do. I think he'll end up being a really good football player. Yeah, it's that maturity level, and and I think if he can if he can be there in a down by down, you know, week to week perspective, um, the sky's the limit for that kid, and I'm I'm looking forward for a bounce back year campaign for him as well. Doran, thanks so much, man, for making time for me on your Saturday afternoon. I really really appreciate it. Tell the folks where they can find you uh, on Twitter and and what you got coming up here with the uh, with the start of the season uh, fastly approaching here. Yeah, at Scorn Doran on Twitter, give me a follow. Uh, yeah, I love Buffalo. I can't wait to come back and get me a Ted's burger and Ted's hot dogs. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I cannot wait to drive up there. I'm hoping to make it to a game this year. Uh, my cousin actually played there a couple of years ago, so I used to come up a little bit. But uh, at Scorn Doran on Twitter, and, and Nate, I appreciate you having me on. And listen, anytime that you want to do this, I'm down, man. I love it. Awesome, man. I will take you up on that for sure. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your summer here, and we'll do it again soon, my friend. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Doran Dickerson there, former Buffalo Bill, played in the 2012 team. I'm sorry, the 2012 team. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Doran, which is just such a great Twitter at, by the way. Uh, coming up next, I've got Mike Tenier. He's joining us in the Western Hotline. We're going to talk about the Dolphins. So that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere here on WGR. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, gang, welcome back. We're at the halfway mark here of Sports Talk Saturday. And you know they, you know what they say about the halfway mark. They keep the best, most entertaining stuff for halftime, just like the halftime Super Bowl. Think of my next guest as Janet Jackson. Think of me as Justin Timberlake. Joining me now is Mike Tanier on the West Her Hotline. Did you like that introduction? I, I just came up with that off the spot. I, I got to admit, the background music was so loud, I didn't hear it. I hope it was charitable. <laughs> So I said, uh, you know, I saved my best guest for the halftime show, just like the Super Bowl. So think of my next guest as Janet Jackson and me as Justin Timberlake. Uh, that's better than thinking of me as, like, up with people uh, or a cold player. Who, who else had a really <laughs> terrible – oh, gosh – the black eyed peas. Yes. Me as the black eyed peas. Yeah, no, you uh I would never I would never categorize you as uh, as the black eyed peas, don't worry. Oh, thank you. Think of me as Prince but alive. Ooh, okay. I like that. I like that. I like that. A little purple rain. All right. So Mike, um I can't remember why I brought you on to- Oh yes, that's right. So uh this week <laughs> you and I we had a I, I imagine like sometimes Twitter can be, you know, like 98% of the time, it's like one of the worst places in the world, but you stick around for that 2%. And the 2% really for the for the last 10 to 14 days has just been Dolphins fans, Dolphins media, and frankly, the organization just, I don't know, Mike, it's been such a funny, um, comical, have you ever seen an organization, a group of media and fans take victory laps it's such a straw man argument. Like, like even though, like, I like Mike McDaniels a lot, and like coming out and saying, like, I don't think throwing the ball eighty-five yards is functionally appropriate for for the NFL. Nobody does that, as if anyone has ever said that. You know, like I, right. I just the the arguments that are being made, the positions that are being taken, I just have never quite seen. And I would love it if this was more of the usual in the NFL in June, because I think I need it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of elements to this. And first of all, no media base or fan base has drank more Kool-Aid during OTAs in history than the Dolphins. I remember going back years, and I would look forward to this time of year because, you know, like somebody like Brian Hartline, uh, you know, or Richard Matthews 
uh, would you know, catch a one-handed catch in, 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 in Dolphins OTAs, and it would be talked about for two days or three days. And, you know, like three weeks later, uh, you know, somebody would be getting into my mentions, like, you know, you know, Rashard Matthews is the second coming of Jerry Rice. <laughs> but, like, like, like from, from, like, the one, you know, from Omar Kelly's, uh, uh, you know, Twitter feed to God's ears to every fan of the Miami Dolphins. Like, if this, if this happened in minicamp and OTAs, then it's guaranteed to happen 17 times in the NFL season. And so they've been doing this going back 12, 14 years. I kind of missed it because it kind of went away under Brian Flores. I have a funny feeling he wasn't letting guys tweet as much in camp because he's an old, you know, Patriots type guy but yeah there's that element to it but you're right there's also you know the defensiveness of the Tua Tonga Viola yeah. story where his every is a third year quarterback the move has to be of course now there's two anon yeah. and there's all these there's like a second life of of, of like parody accounts of, of onion like parody accounts of the idea that you know every time Tua Tonga Viola underthrows somebody throws an accurate pass etc we need we need interpretation. We 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 need a, an entire uh, council of people to weigh in on, on whether or not it's a sign that he has turned the corner or not. Yeah, and like here's the thing: it like the the whole conversation and the volatility. It, I guess, Mike, what what confuses me is how people can't make decisions, can't form opinions based on a player from he's played enough football to form an opinion on him. Now, whether or not that opinion will hold true this upcoming year, Tua will probably be better, right? And he'll probably throw for more yards and more touchdowns. But it sort of feels like he's in this inevitable position, Mike. Like, it probably doesn't matter what Tua does this year. Like, they're moving on from him next year, short of him being the reason they win a Super Bowl. But let's be real. That's not happening, and he's not going to be the reason they win a Super Bowl. So the inevitability of it is the most comical part. Right. I I think there's a chance he could break out and and convince them otherwise. But the last coaching staff, they were convinced. They wanted to move on. You know, the, the the Flores and all those guys wanted to move on. So McDaniel's coming in, so it's a little bit of a fresh start. Greer's still there. They may want to move on there. But, but you know, in terms of the, the conversation surrounding these guys, what are we on, year 12, year 13 of the Kirk Cousins conversation? It, you know, it, right. That, that's never that's going to point. go away. It goes away if the guy loses his job or, you know, takes a team to the Super Bowl or wins the Super Bowl. If you, Garoppolo, you can take a team to the Super Bowl, and it's not a, enough to be that. But the funniest thing about it, though, isn't so much the inevitability. It's that if this is where we're at on June 3rd, where are we going to be in August? Where are we going to be the Monday morning after a loss, the Monday morning after a win? With this, everything is a, a is a you know referendum. Yep. To yep. yep. value as a quarterback as a human being. Well, you know what? It just like, but it's their stances that the contradictory stances of the of the organization. And then mm-hmm. they're now their their change of tone because a new coach, but the same GM, the guy that was part of this whole thing, and like yeah. it reminds me a lot of like the the whole conversations. This is prevalent, right? Like this is a a a, a political thing happening in the world, and it's like it's sort of like the NRA saying like, hey guys, nothing to worry about with guns, but also you're not allowed to have a gun at any of our events, right? Like it's like <laughs> it's like saying, hey, we really love Tua so much, but we have two first round picks next year, and you can bet your ass yeah. we'll be willing to trade both of them to move up to get an actual guy, or like you know, hey. We were willing to, as long as you know uh, Deshaun Watson is able to get 20, 22 women to agree to sign NDAs, regardless of whether he's guilty or not, we would absolutely do that. You can't live in both worlds and then say, "Well, we really love this guy and we think he's elite." And and like Tyree Kill coming in and like, "Oh yeah, this guy's amazing." And it's like, "All right, everybody, please pump the brakes because you're giving me a headache." 
Well, that was a lot. I mean, Thank we you. Covered a lot of ground. <laughs> in, in that analogy, the you know throwing a ball eighty-five yards is not functional. Is the equivalent of saying, well, there you know twenty to twenty-five rabbit uh, hogs are coming, and that's why you need an AR-15. So that, that's the logic of that argument. But you're you're right, and it, you know, it's smart for an organization to be like, yeah, we are giving him a, an evaluation. But oh, Teddy Bridgewater's here. Oh, we have two first-round picks here, but we're giving him an evaluation. You can say that. But the Dolphins have to come with this arch defensiveness about it. Yeah, you know, the Eagles are kind of doing that with Jalen Hurts. You know what? We really like the guy, what he does in the locker room and everything. But they, don't, they don't say, you know, anything 15 yards downfield is, is, is like sprayed out of a garden hose. They, they don't say that. But, you know, we're evaluating. So we have two first-round picks next year. We have a, a plan B. You can say that. But it has to come through this this ultra-defensive look, a 55-yard completion to Tyreek Hill. Let's make sure we put that on the social networking feed and have uh, you know the coach and the GM talk about it, have first take lead with it. That's very distinctively uh, a Dolphins thing. It is, and you know, Mike. Like at the end of the day, it's it's all fun and games because it's OTAs. It's June. It doesn't matter, and they've been winning off seasons for for a long time now. It's the application, <laughs> and it's the actual when the games matter. And this is a team that does not. Just walk in with one of the easiest schedules in the league. The AFC East has a gauntlet this year that they will be yeah. going through. And this is this is where the conversation gets a little arch and gets a little dark for me because like it's very possible they could start 0-3, 0-4, and still be a good football team by the end of it, right? This is a right. team coming off of two consecutive winning seasons that just fired their head coach. So to say <laughs> that they're just going to be immensely better um, when the schedule's hard and you still don't have answers in the quarterback, like – I, I, for me, the Dolphins are such an interesting litmus test on how you build rosters because yeah. a 32-year-old left tackle is a good pickup for you, but like, and a 29-year-old speedster who that's not going to last forever, and you gave him, you know, all this guaranteed money. I think there still are way more questions than answers, and you, the games will only answer them, Mike. But I, you know, are we going to have answers after five weeks? Like true answers? I don't know, and I don't think they have the patience to wait longer than that. I don't know, and they better have patience because you look around the AFC, and it's brutal. And this is a great conference to not be trying to win now in with a new coach, you know, with a new receiver, with a third-year quarterback. They have a lot of questions about And that, with the Dolphins, I never understand what direction they're heading. You know, with the whole Adam Gase thing, I never understood what – is this a rebuilding team or, you know, because he, he usually got them to about, you know, eight wins or whatever. What's happening here? And this is a good example of that. Are, 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 is this a rebuilding team? Because I think that's what Brian Flores thought it was when he got fired. No, it's a win-now team because we have Tyree Kelly. And they've had more expensive, goofy off-seasons in their history than, like, Washington has had, right. you know, like Albert Hainsworth type things. And that, that's where this team – remember years ago when, when Tannehill got hurt and it's like, you know what, we're going to pay – Jay Cutler to come out of the booth for $12 million. Like, why? Your quarterback <laughs> got hurt. Just, you know, to do a rebuilding. You're not going to do anything with Jay. We're going to do this with Jay Cutler. So that's what I don't understand. And, and the whole Tua thing, again, if, if we go through all the things that have been said in the offseason and, you know, the a- accusations by, by, by Brian Flores and all, is Tua the owner's guy? Because if Tua's the owner's guy, at least I understand why McDaniel's going to go to the mattresses at press conferences and be like, look at that. That's enough evidence of what he can do and what he can't do doesn't matter because the guy who signs the checks likes that. But if that's the case, we're in for a roller coaster because that means the owner thinks one thing or thinks two or three different things because Steve Ross thought he was going to have Tua and Tom Brady and Sean Payton. I don't know what, what Ross thought he was going to have. The GM thinks something else. And this young man coming in as a head coach probably thinks he's got a rebuilding situation on his hands and might be in for a rude awakening. 
We've got Mike Tanier here at Football Outsiders on the West Her Hotline. And, and one of my colleagues here at the station, uh, Joe DiBiase, kind of put this perfectly, right? Like you have an owner who's sort of like seeing his own, you know, like mortality here, right? He's like, I oh, don't gosh. have this. I don't have a lot left here to live and I need to win a friggin' Super Bowl. Like I need to be competitive. <laughs> so that to me, you look at that and you think about it, like it's it's a it's a situation that is to me anyways for Tua set up to fail. And I just like I guess part of like the Twitter conversation of this is just that acknowledgement I think is important. It's like me trying to convince everyone in the world that EJ Manuel was going to be really really good because Doug Marone was here and we had Stevie Johnson. Give me a break. I have a functioning brain, so I know not to do things like that. It's just, it's a weird thing to feel like, it's one thing for the fan base to be this way, but it's kind of another for the organization and for the quarterback to respond to those things. It tells me that there's a level of insecurity, a baseline level of insecurity across the entire organization, and I just, it's kind of unprecedented to me. I mean, the organization that, you know, fired a coach and had him fire back and say it was, you know, racial allegations and that it seems like he has a strong case and says they were tanking on purpose. And I, they have reason to be insecure. They have reason to be insecure on like a variety of levels. Uh, but beyond that, you, you know, you're talking about Ross. And you know, remember Leon Hess when he owned the Jets many, mm. many, many years ago? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm 80 whatever years old. I just want to win a Super Bowl. And that's why I'm hiring Rich Cotite. And that was a, an actual like press conference he gave in the '90s. Like we're bringing we're bringing in a winner here, and that winner is Rich Cotite. And the team went like three and like twenty eight <laughs> or whatever they went after that. But if I hate to say, if that's your thing, like I'm in win now mode because I'm old, then you might want to divest yourself a little bit. Right. That's not how this goes. And again, I don't want to put thoughts into this guy's head, but you know, there's all these the stuff swirling around about how he was going to get this guy and that guy and everything like that. You need to step back and let your professionals in the organization do what they're supposed to do if that's the case. But it's the NFL. Some owners just don't do that sort of thing. Mike, I, I kind of want to also get your thoughts here on the Jets. Thanks for bringing them up. They are probably <laughs> one of the more interesting teams going into this uh, going into this this season. And it's this one is another one where it's kind of all about the quarterback. I mean, historically bad accuracy numbers yeah. for Zach Wilson. And you know, in the same breath that we're going to hear all about how Tua through two years has got better numbers than Josh Allen, so therefore he's going to take the third year Josh Allen yeah. leap. I, I'm wondering. I never felt that it was a bad pick for the Jets with uh, with Wilson because I thought that the mm-hmm. arm strength and the tools were there. The ceiling was there. Um, yeah. But to hear the – it's one thing to hear about greatness in the OTAs, right? Like that's always mm-hmm. something I take with a grain of salt. When people are talking about the inability to hit open receivers in 7-on-7, seven seven, that's uh-huh. something I guess I'll put a little bit more stock in than something about how a guy's going to be a pro bowler uh, you know, in, 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 in OTAs. I'll say this, though. It, there's no press pool that's more like cheerleaders in June than the Dolphins. There are no more fatalists than the Jets. <laughs> so Christian point. Hackenberg, you know, if he bounced one, granted, he was bouncing them off reporters' heads, <laughs> yes. and that's what they were doing. But off the media tent, yeah. Even, and, and they've even swapped out a lot of the reporters there. So you come in and it's super fatalist there. But you know, I was skeptical of Zach Wilson from the beginning because of the he's suddenly this great prospect because the schedule went two bar in 2020, and he's playing a bunch of teams from like the bottom of Conference USA instead of the usual schedule he would have there. You're right, he's toolsy. And yeah, I'm not going to worry too much about him, but again, this is a guy last year, Mike White came in, played well, and, and the, the, the New York media wanted to make Mike, Mike White a thing. 
for a week. Yep. He threw three interceptions. I think against the Bills. It was. Yeah, it was. In like in like twelve seconds, and we're like, okay, well, that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, I look at the overall Jets all season. You remember like the Seinfeld thing where you say good, but you have the high voice at the end. It's good. You know, <laughs> the offseason for the Jets is good. They got some good players, you know, and that's where it is now. So I don't know where they're going, except they look like a team that will be tougher than last year's team because they did bring in some guys that look like they are professionals in the draft and free agency. I don't know what tougher than last year's team means, though, because they were a complete joke for much of last season. Yeah. So it's it's very much a wait and see mode with that team. Yeah, and it, it another interesting conversation about the AFC East, right? Like we're that's our trend. We're talking about the AFC East right now. And I had um, Stephen Ruiz on earlier from the Ringer, and we were kind of chatting about how, like, if you look at the Bills in the AFC East, they just do not have the same level of competition as like a Kansas City or you know right. a Chargers are going to be facing in the West or what they've got going on in the North. We can just leave the South and where it belongs in the South. But um, you know, like when you think about the AFC East. Here and then, all of a sudden, it's almost like the Patriots become an afterthought because right now, Mike, they have the least amount of cap space in the league, and I can't mm-hmm. name you truly one blue chip player that team has right now. I mean, and I saw you tweet that, and you're right; they they have spent a lot of money, and that a lot of that money is spent on Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, yeah, Aguilar and Jalen Mills, and and the, and the tight ends. They're good tight ends, but it's like you have all this money at tight end. And I don't see how you build that past wild card. You can obviously pencil in, oh, Belichick's going to do stuff. A lot of veterans on defense still have a pretty good offensive line. You can get that wild card. I can't see it. When he's there, we talk about the Dolphins and, like, their offseason heroes. Devontae Parker, I think he won the MVP award of OTAs, like, six years in a row for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, this guy was OTA Randy Moss for years, and now he's, he's older and, like, we've seen over and over again, that guy gets hurt when you need him. Guy turns into kind of an ordinary possession receiver from November on. Now he's like the big addition for the Patriots. I, I don't see it. I don't understand it. But again, it's OTAs, and all we're hearing about from New England Patriots in OTAs is how much Mac Jones has turned into a leader, just like Tom Brady. And I, I want to yawn, and I want to stretch, and I want to throw up a little bit in my mouth a little bit. Like, show me what this team is really doing. Because right now, all I'm hearing about is that Bill Belichick is such a genius that he can be an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach, and general manager at the same time and handle it all, even though he never did that before in the great signature seasons, and everything's going to work out just fine. So the last thing I've got to ask you then, um, Joe Judge, we're just to assume, and it's almost like (laughs) Bill Belichick, when he goes up there, oh, that my my favorite quote. Well, he's calling plays in minicamp. Does it doesn't matter. He's calling plays in minicamp. Who cares who the offensive coordinator is? Like who cares? No. And listen, I know that he's Bill Belichick, and he's sort of still above reproach. But mm-hmm. at a certain point here, this is gonna like snowball into one of the biggest comedies I've ever seen. If Joe yeah. Judge has a headset on and is calling plays, well, even if he's transferring plays from someone else who's calling them to Mac Jones to put him in a position to mold a young quarterback after what he did in New York, regardless of the prior relationship with Bill Belichick, this has got to be one of the biggest blunders I've ever seen. This is an example of somebody who reaches that level of emperor, king, that he can do no wrong. And so he he can't be questioned, and he wants the guys he's comfortable with in those positions. He did not want to replace McDaniel. So he brings back to the fold, you know, a couple of guys in, uh, in, in Judge and uh, Patricia, and says, you're offensive coaches now, even though 
you weren't very good defense and special teams coach. You weren't good head coaches. You were terrible. You you wanted to run quarterback sneaks on third and long. That's what you were as a head coach. And he gives them these positions. And you know, we're I mean, not us, but like the local media has got to say yes, sir, yes, sir to all this. You can't really criticize it. And the rest of us are like on bated breath. Like you don't want to say, oh, this is a complete catastrophe about to happen because. You know, they win the Super Bowl, and you look, yeah, <laughs> right, and, and you're right. The like he's beaten you before. I don't see it at this point. You got a young quarterback needs molding. You got an offense that does not have a lot of firepower, and you've got two knuckleheads who, as soon as they were given any authority anywhere else, went banana pants <laughs> in terms of like how bad they were as doing anything except like the little box of belts I could put them in the past, giving them more responsibilities, giving them unique responsibilities that they're not prepared for. This has this has the potential to blow up in their face. The thing is, it'll blow up in their face. They'll still win nine games because they'll beat the Jets twice, and the defense will be good. Yeah, that's probably right. And you know, I, I by by saying no blue chip talent, I, I think Matthew Judon's a heck of a player. Um, yeah, you know, I so know. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But the 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 way they approach the J.C. Jackson situation, I, and just time and time again, you just it, it's it, over the last two years, sans Tom Brady, it's been a tire fire, and I'm here to watch it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Mike, um, <laughs> I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much. Entertainment value always high as it always is. I appreciate your time on a Saturday in June. Let's do it again soon and enjoy your summer my friend absolutely take care and enjoy your weekend thanks my friend mike tenier there of football outsiders on the western hot i'm going to take a time out because mark stein is going to join the program at one o'clock we're going to talk the nba finals that's coming up here on sports talk saturday on wgr all right i got to take a time out again i apologize went a little late with mike tenier but when you're talking about the dolphins that's what happens i got mark stein he's joining us next he's got his Substack. you can follow his newsletter at the stein line it's markstein.substack.com he used to cover the nba for a long time for the new york times espn uh, washington post you name it he's written for it he's going to join us coming up next here we're going to talk about the nba finals and maybe the lakers some more storylines for this upcoming nba season next on wgr We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.